Welcome to the King's Chapel, Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Acts chapter 2, reading from the New International Version. Verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Let's pray. Father, move in power. Amen. You may be seated. I'm prayed up already. I hope you are. This is a text that Dr. Morocco preached from Sunday morning. I didn't get to hear that, but I did get to see some of his notes. And in usually my routine on Sunday is to uh, preach and have a great time with you all Sunday morning, two services, and then uh, head home and buffet my body. Eat, that's eat. I like to eat. And then after that, uh, usually between when the food's coming out and Afterwards, I review my sermon, my message that I've prepared. I put some finishing touches on it, and then I go and have a, a supernatural divine nap. I'm pretty sure an angel comes and clubs me right around that time, and I pass out for a good 45 minutes to an hour, sometimes less, depending upon my schedule. And during that, those times of rest, I preach. How many of you can talk to yourself? Go ahead and say, dude, you look good tonight. Go ahead. All right. How many of you can say things in your own mind to yourself? Well, you can, yeah, okay. Well, I have these supernatural rests, and I preach in my sleep. And many times when I'm doing that, the Lord will change my message. He'll redirect things. I get words of knowledge, words of wisdom. Uh, I'll sometimes have dreams, and then those dreams are uh, giving me a strategy and as we've moved forward, I guess, you know what it is. It, goes, it says a little bit further as he quotes Joel. In the last days, he'll pour out his spirit. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. So I, I, I still have visions, but I seem to have more dreams, which I have both because I'm middle-aged. <laughs> but I have more dreams than I've ever had before. And I, I've found myself in a place of completely dependent on God speaking to me to give me wisdom as we move forward in all that God's called us to do. And so I had a great word about, about unity and, um, and tying into this text how they were all gathered together in one accord. One accord, what that means. And so I thought I'd preach on unity, but, but then when I took my rest, I preached this whole other thing in my sleep. And... Um, I went back and looked at Dr. Morocco's notes, and it's almost verbatim everything that he had in his notes, and I thought, that's just amazing. And I know that I had read through it, but it got in my spirit so quickly at one, one read through, and my whole message got tossed, and I am going to teach you what I had in my dream tied in with some of Dr. Morocco's notes that he preached this morning. And I'm calling it Pentecostal Power. 
So the word Pentecost literally means 50, 50 days. Pentecost is 50 days after Passover. Pentecost is a Greek word. It's, Passover was celebrated, and it reminded the Israelites of how God delivered them from Egypt, from the, what's called the house of bondage and last plague of the death of the firstborn. And then Jesus was declared by John the Baptist to be the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And when he said that to those people, who most of which were Jews, they understood what he was saying clearly, that he was the, the Pascal Lamb, the Lamb that would be sacrificed, the final sacrifice, the one who would complete the types and shadows. How many of you know literary terms, what a type and a shadow is? So the Old Testament is a picture book of New Testament reality, and so Jesus is the Passover lamb. Let me take a moment for some of you who might not realize it, and many of you do because I've preached it so many times, but the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, the sacrificial system started really with Cain and Abel. And they were to bring an offering before the Lord. Abel brought some of the fat of the firstborn. There had to be death of the flock, most likely a lamb. And then Cain, he didn't, bring, he didn't bring an offering like that. He brought some fruit. And the text says there in Genesis that Cain was not respected for his offering, but Abel was. And the Lord comes and speaks to him and says, if you do what is right, you'll be rewarded. But if you don't do what is right, I made my kids memorize this scripture. But some people just want all the blessings of God, but they don't want to do it God's way. If you do it God's way, you get God-type God results. And the blessings of God are not, they're, they're contingent on obeying God's word. And thank God for his mercy. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. And so right from there, you say, well, how do they know to sacrifice like that and, to, and, 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 and the shedding of blood and all that? Leviticus says, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. How do they know that they were to do it like that? Well, we can assume, which is sometimes dangerous, but they must have learned it from their mom and dad. And in actual fact, if you go to the Garden of Eden and you see where they sinned, it says that, and God covered their nakedness with the skins of an animal, which means, how many of you ever went hunting and skinned an animal? There's blood. And so there's a covering of their nakedness. They tried to use fig leaves, which is a picture of, it's a picture of, um, of religion, Man trying to cover his nakedness. Man trying to cover his shame. Man trying to take his righteousness or hide behind a fig leaf. You can't hide behind a fig leaf neither. You can't, you can't, you can't atone for your sin. Only Jesus can. And that's the type and shadow right there from the garden. And you play that out, the whole sacrificial system. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to go through all the different types and shadows. But all of those in the Old Testament tie into New Testament reality. So Jesus being the Lamb of God is the final sacrifice, the last sacrifice that would ever be made. And in actual fact, is killed at the exact same time, crucified on a cruel Roman cross, when at the exact hour, please hear me, the exact hour that Jews would kill, that the priests would kill the lambs, one for every household, the same hour that they killed those lambs is the hour that Jesus was taken outside the city and crucified. Kind of profound. 
on that Friday, so the Good Friday, it hung on a cruel Roman cross, taking the sin of the world. It is recorded by Josephus, who is not a believer. He's a Jewish historian. He's not, not a believer like you and me. He wrote about that day on that Friday. There's historical accounts. He wrote that the, the temple curtain was torn. Now, we know it from Scripture, but a historian who isn't a Christ follower said that the temple curtain was ripped from the top to the bottom, the temple curtain separating the holy place from the most holy place, or the holy of holies, signifying that the Holy Spirit doesn't live inside a temple made by human hands anymore, and the sacrificial system is broken. It's actually completed by Jesus. That he comes to live inside your heart. He comes to be, make you his temple, make you his home if you received him, and you receive his blood, the sprinkling of his blood on the mercy seat of heaven, which is the model that Moses was shown to make in the tabernacle and the, in the wilderness. And if I've lost you, just go and read and stick around and study. We're not following cutely devised fables written by a bunch of madmen. We're standing on God's word, 66 different books, multiple different authors, authors written in three different continents, and it never contradicts itself, not once. And if you find a place where it contradicts itself, it's only because you're uneducated, did not know how to rightfully understand and discern that. Come on. Amazing. So Jesus is crucified, and that's the Passover. And 50 days later, come on, three days later, he got up. You know why? Because you can't keep a good man down. Three days later, he got up on Sunday morning, rose again, and his sacrifice allows us to be forgiven. You can't be forgiven just because you want to be. You're forgiven based upon justice. Justice was served. You deserve death. I deserve death. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. And so eternal life and salvation, forgiveness is given through Jesus. It's the only way. You can go to church so much you end up looking like a pew. You still split hell wide open. I don't care if you have baptismal waters dripping off your face. You can still split hell wide open. You must be born again. You must, you must receive Jesus. So 50 days later is the Passover. But many people don't understand that 50 days after they were delivered out of the house of bondage, you know what happens 50 days later? It's Pentecost. They were given the law. So let's go back. Egypt, death of the firstborn. Pharaoh, Pharaoh lets them go and changes his mind and ends up getting wiped out. The Red Sea comes and folds in on them. I, I love that one joke. I've told it so many times before. They said, wasn't the Red Sea, it was the Reed Sea. And, and the scholars have it wrong. It's the Reed Sea. I said, oh. They said, and it's only like a foot deep, so anybody could cross the Reed Sea. And it's like, well, then, then it's even a greater miracle that the greatest nation in all the world drowned in a foot of water. <laughs> Come on, somebody say, woohoo! So 50 days later, they find themselves at Mount Sinai, the Mount of God, and they receive the law. That was Pentecost also. 50 days later, Pentecost is when Moses got the, the, the Ten Commandments. How many of you knew that? And, and what's fascinating also is that there was, there was 3,000 people that, that didn't do it right, but the, the calf worshipers. Remember, Pastor Karen told me a funny joke years ago. 
and God had brought them out of Egypt. And they didn't know to worship the Lord. They worshiped the calf. And that's because she said they still had a lot of bull in them. The calf was a, was a, the calf were just one of the deities in Egypt. And you go and read that text, it's crazy. Aaron's like, I don't know what happened. We just put the gold in and bam. Came right out. I don't know what, what a liar. And what's fascinating is that 3,000 people get wiped out because of that. You know what's interesting? On Pentecost, millennium later, the power of the Holy Spirit comes and 3,000 people get saved. There's so many types and shadows in Scripture. God chose to pour out His Spirit on, on Pentecost Sunday, which is the, um, pardon me, on Pentecost. It wasn't on Sunday necessarily. It's a new era of human history. So keep in mind what's happened here in Acts chapter 2 now. Jesus died on a cross, Lamb of God, 50 days later. He hung out with them, appeared, I should say, in 1 Corinthians, talks about that, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3 through 8. That lists some of the resurrection appearances. That they saw Jesus for over 40 days. He appeared to them all over the place, which is amazing. And then he ascends, and there's 500 people, Paul says in Corinthians, 500 people that saw him ascend and yet in the upper room, there's only 120. And there's this period of time for when he ascends to the actual day of Pentecost. So he dies, he's crucified, 40 days goes by, he appears to them, then they have 10 days of waiting. Waiting for the promise. And in that upper room, 10 days later, the crowd had been culled, people who quit threw in the towel. I don't know, whatever reason they had for not being in the upper room, 120 people received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Somebody said, what kind of church are you? I said, we're, we're a Pentecostal church. You know why they got the name Pentecostals? Because they're always preaching on Pentecost. They're always preaching on the baptism of the Spirit. He said, how come? Because you must be filled with the Spirit. It takes God to live for God. We believe in the power of the Holy Ghost. The disciples are quite a crew. They remind me of us. They just still don't have a clue. They still, it's hard for them to figure out when Jesus, you get the picture when you read these stories of Jesus, he's like, oh, Father, seriously. They just can't figure it out. Jesus gives them a clear vision throughout the Gospels. You can read that for his kingdom and his disciples and tell them what they're going to do. They're going to preach the good news. They're going to go into all the world and preach to all humanity. And he's clear to say to, to tarry, to wait in Jerusalem until you're endued with power. It takes the power of God to reach the nations. It takes the power of the Spirit to reach a city. So some people don't need more religion. How many of you know that? They don't need, Christianity is not just another religion. Well, how do you know it's not just another religion? Christianity is the only religion, it's the only one where God reached to man. All other religions are man reaching to God. Christianity is the only one 
man wrote that book. No, man wrote it, true, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And what man would write a book that would condemn him to hell and to believe on a Savior? We have the Dead Sea Scrolls that undeniably show the authenticity and accuracy of God's Word. This is God's Word. This is not just something that was put together. It's called inerrant. We believe that. It's a part of our fundamental truths. The Word of God is inerrant. There's, there's not error in it. Oh, you can see the personality of man that wrote it under the inspiration again the, as the Holy Spirit moved them along. But what's amazing to me is how many prophecies are fulfilled. I mean, just in Jesus first advent, his first, over 300 Old Testament prophecies. You say, well, how do you know those weren't written after? Because we have a thing called the Dead Sea Scrolls, which destroyed a lot of arguments. And Dead Sea Scrolls, through modern dating, predate the birth of Jesus. We have the book of Isaiah, chapter 53. Go read that. Isaiah, 700 years prior to Jesus coming. I mean, it truly is amazing. So they're all together, and they're in this upper room and they're, they're waiting in Jerusalem for the baptism of the Spirit. Luke says that they're continually in the temple courts praising God, enjoying favor. And in Acts 2, here they are, and the sound of a blowing violent wind comes from heaven and fills the house. Tongues of fire, everybody say fire, fire. rested on each one, which is a picture of God revealing himself as fire. John the Baptist said, Jesus will baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire, not many days from now. Fire is a picture of purity. Fire is a picture of passion. Fire is a picture of light. Fire. They spoke in other tongues, languages that they did not know. That's kind of amazing. I, I wasn't sure. I believed it just because God's word said it and the people that I deeply respected preached it. But I never really witnessed it until I think it was 1990. I'm going to say 96. It could have been a little bit earlier. In our church in Maui, and I could show you the section of the road which had happened, there was a man who was from Greece who took the hand of a lady next to him and we had a corporate time of prayer, not unlike what we just did. And as they were praying, this man began to weep. He spoke English and Greek. He began to weep. And at the end of that time, the man says to the lady in Greek, you know, thank you so much for praying for me. She says, I, I don't understand what you're saying. So he speaks in English and says, you just spoke to me. You just prayed in perfect Greek over me. She said, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. And he begins to weep and realizes that she prayed in a language she did not know under the inspiration of the Spirit, releasing miracle power for this Greek man who was also an English speaker. And I was in the service. The guy lost his ever-loving mind. He was so blown away. And it, come on, miracles are, are what happened in, happens in the kingdom of God. And so they, they spoke these tongues, these languages that they didn't know. And you go and read the rest of this and they preached. They talked about the wonderful works of God. So that doesn't happen anymore. Stick around. 
Things like this happen all the time. Tongues are a unique expression that a person is being filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to preach long to you. I'd, I'd like keys, please. Brother Toby, if you'd come. It's Pentecost Sunday. It's a reminder of what, what we're saved for. We're saved for a purpose. There's a purpose for why you're born again. It's not just to eat, sleep, die. <laughs> There's a purpose. We're supposed to reach nations. It's a purpose. I mean, if you were going to take a long trip, would you get gasoline or diesel fuel before you took your trip? Well, if you didn't, honey, you're going to run out of gas. It takes God. It takes God's power to do what we've been called to do. It takes His power for our everyday lives. takes his power to be a good wife, to be a good husband. Say, seriously? Yeah, I believe that. I don't know, maybe I need more help than the average male. I'm sure that's probably true. All of the men say, God help me. All the women say, Lord help him. <laughs> Y'all need some help too. This walk with God is not supposed to be something you do on a Sunday. It's your life. God's looking for full-time worshipers daily in the temple courts praising God. I think that's connected to favor. You know, favor's released through daily worshiping Him and living for Him. That whole, that whole style of religion that lacks power, it's just not going to cut it. Not going to be able to reach this whole next generation with that. No. The Lord is, the Father is seeking such would worship Him in spirit and in truth. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, through every day. There's so many times people have a, a partition in their mind. So this is their church thing. Hey, hallelujah, praise God. Shaka tahaha. And then you're like a mean cuss in the car, cutting people off on the way to work on Monday morning, spilling your coffee, freaking out, losing your mind. Listen, Christian means Christ like or little Christ. see that they did worship clearly on Sunday, but it was every day that they worshiped. Somebody said, we need to have that. We need to be a church like that. We do. Morning prayer. Where are you? Tomorrow morning, Pastor Kirsten will be here. Amen. Morning prayer. We, we're, we have church every day. Every day? Yeah. Every day. Yep. We used to have morning prayer on Saturday, but we, we have prayer at home now. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Come on, someone say, Jesus, fill me. And you need to stay filled. Why is that? Because you leak. 
you'll see that they were they were baptized with the Holy Spirit, the evidence of speaking in tongues, but then they got filled again and they got filled again and they got filled again. It wasn't a one-time thing. Oh, I remember. Got baptized in fire. 1960. You need to get filled with fire tonight. You need to get filled with fire every day. You need God. I remember, uh, she's going on to be with the Lord, but in Kauai, Pastor Vince and Minister Ava, you might remember, I'm, I can't remember the precious lady's name, but she was, she was in her 70s, 80s, way back when we pastored in Kauai. Uh, and um, she was at Notre Dame at the outpouring of the Spirit, the, the birth of the Catholic charismatic movement in Notre Dame. She was in the meetings there, and she told me about it. She, she was in a wheelchair. She was weak. She had one, she had one bad eye, like it was white, you know. We prayed for her to get her eyesight back, and we didn't see that. She has it now. She's in heaven. I said, she has it now. She's in heaven. And you should see when you would, we, I would love talking to her. Just take a moment to say, can you tell me again about Notre Dame? What, what happened? And she would just get like this sparkle and something would come over this lady. And she says, it was glorious. And she went to Catherine Coleman meetings and she, she went to these different things. She got touched by the power of God. I think 1960, I want to say 67 was Notre Dame, but not all of you scholars can go check that out. God is pouring out his spirit. He's pouring out his spirit again. He's doing it again. But he's not, he doesn't do it to the, to the apathetic heart. The church is filled with apathy. The, chur a church, the church is mostly filled with complacency. I, I know not, not here, maybe. But then again, maybe, maybe you are complacent. Maybe, maybe you're apathetic. Jesus was moved with compassion. One of the things that moves me, well, the things that, the things that moves me the most is what's dearest to my heart. I thought I knew how to pray. I've told the story many times. I thought I knew how to pray until I almost lost my daughter. She was born. I learned how to pray when she almost died. I won't go into the whole story. When you really invest your heart, you tie in and you touch, God touches you and then you get transformed. It bothers you that people die and overdose. It bothers you when People are broken, destitute, and hurting because you know that you have the answer. We hold the key to life and freedom. And we've, God's given us authority. He's given us his word. He's given us his name. He's given us the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And God has called us with purpose to live for him every day, filled with the spirit and to stay filled. I needed to get like refilled, I don't know, how many times? I lifted my hands so many times this last week. I'm like, oh, God, I need your help. Does anybody else, anybody else like that? All right, like 30 honest people. You can be filled with the Spirit. It's a gift for all believers. And I didn't go into this whole text, but it's a gift for everyone who believes. 
how do I get that? Ask for it. Have a desire for the power of God to be in your life. Desire the power of God in your life. I've said it this morning. I've said it so many times. I've said it for years. It's a quote from Dr. Morocco. God spoke in parables to hide truth from casual observers. He's not obligated to show you one thing. You could shut your heart down and just be like, well, I just hope the preacher shuts up. I'm just here to see my graduate walk. I'm out of here. We're going to eat some Krispy Kremes and get on with it. Krispy Kreme, I got the attention of some people looking up from their Snapchat right now. I'm like, whoa, Krispy Kreme. Near sing to manna when the light's on and it's coming off the belt. desire to be filled. Worship the Lord. Have a lifestyle of worship. We owe a visitation to our community and and I commend you because that's happening. Have hands laid on you. We believe in the ministry of the laying on of hands. Have hands laid on you. Get prayer. Take a step of faith. And then lastly, don't ever lose sight of God's vision for the church. We are not some patty cake club for Jesus. We're not here to fulfill a religious obligation. We're here to reach the lost. That's why we're here. That's why we do what we do. That's why we work so hard. It's a joy to do it. Most of the time. And when it isn't, I need to get filled again. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.